check. Ready? Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of Olive Oil. I'm your host, Courtney, and throughout this season, it is our vision to evidence true worship as a means to an end and not an end to a means by providing light, heat, spiritual fuel, and emotional healing to you, our listeners, through reflection on true worship. Our guest for this episode requires an introduction simply from his given last name to the name he created for himself. Cameron Whalem is a musician that has crossed and blended the boundaries between old and new school. Born and raised in Memphis, Cameron has had music within his blood from his great-grandparents, grandparents, his Grammy Award-winning uncles, down to his immediate family. Cameron attended Morehouse College, where he was a member of the Glee Club, the House of Funk Marching Band, and the Jazz Band. He then returned home to attend the University of Memphis, where he was a member of the Southern Comfort Jazz Orchestra. In March of 2011, weeks before joining pop star Bruno Mars, he made his TV debut on Saturday Night Live with Jesse J. For almost a decade, he has performed on almost every continent at the VMAs, the Grammys, and twice during the Super Bowl halftime show with Beyonce herself, all before the age of 30. And without further ado, Cameron Whalen. Hi, Cam. Hey, hey. What's up? When you heard me do your intro, have you ever or do you still see yourself in awe of what you've accomplished thus far? Yeah, I do. Um, I still, I'm still very grateful for it all. You know, I still don't take it for granted. And, um, you know, I still see it as a as a moving process moving forward, I don't I don't feel like you know I've reached the point to where I can just say, okay, this is it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm still I still feel like I'm still in that same process I was as you know when I was in college and growing up and stuff like that. Would you say you've reached your dream now? Uh yeah, I've reached a few of them. Yeah, I've reached a. Um, I don't. It's hard to when people ask me like, did I dream it? Yeah, I feel like I did, but it came a little earlier than I thought it was going to come, but I feel like I accomplished at least a little bit of what I set out to. So if the dream you dreamed about having this career, has it already exceeded the dream or are you still living within it? It's exceeded the dream. Um, you know what it did? It The dream had more legs than I expected the dream to have. I'll say that. The dream took on like a life of its own and you know once the initial dream I'll call it once that like started happening then other stuff started happening that I didn't necessarily dream about but that fell in line with the vision that I had for what I wanted to do. Yeah so when you say it had multiple legs how would you say is the best way to handle situations, whether good or bad, on the pathway to creating your own dream? Um, well, I, I think one of the main things is just knowing that stuff is going to happen no matter what. No matter, you could be as positive as you want to be, you can be as happy as you want to be. Something's going to happen at some point that's going to affect what's going on. So you just got to, you know, take the good with the bad and remember that things come in seasons, things come in in waves and shifts like that. So you just got to, you got to be able to ride the wave as they come and just be able to stay even keel about all uh, everything. I guess the common phrase would be learn how to drive the boat. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Why are we talking about driving boats? What is the mindset that you have to get into when you're about to go out to sea and drive the boat? Um, so now you mean traveling, literally, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. Um, well, for me, traveling, I see it as just, I'm kind of used to it, I feel like. Um, and I, I did the call to worship a couple of weeks ago, and I, I kind of spoke on uh, growing up here and always traveling even as a, a little kid going to sing with the choir and, you know, going on a trip every summer. So technically that was like a tour every summer. So not knowing it then, but, you know, kind of growing up and looking at it now, like, man, I've been doing this. You know, it ain't, it's not like a new thing that's, that I got to adjust how I'm feeling or adjust my beliefs or thoughts. I just got to, I got to know that, okay, it's time to work. You know, when it's those business trips, it's a business trip. You know, you get your work done and then you, you know, then you go play, but, you know, take care of the work first, and then everything else falls in line. So that's how I approach those trips when it's, like, time to perform. Throughout your path of success, how would you say worship plays a role since you were in elementary school up to your day-to-day -day operations? Worship is it's a very um, calming thing. It, it kind of brings me back to ground, ground zero. Um, you know, I... And, and I think everybody should strive to feel different when they get up from the altar. So it's one of those things, like, for me traveling around, one of the best feelings is to come back to church that first Sunday or first Wednesday, whatever it is, I'm back, and go to the altar for the first time in, you know, two, three months. And then, you know, you just feel it. You feel not necessarily a weight lifted off, but you feel refreshed. You know what I'm saying? So that that's a feeling that I get from worship when, especially th those times where I've been gone for a while. And of course, I can do, you know, whatever I do on the road, but there's nothing like being here at the altar, yeah. just really feeling the atmosphere and kind of just, you know, it's, it's a whole different thing. And it, for me, like I said, it just, it recenters it and it, 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 it's a refresher. It's like, all right, phew, all right, that's done. Everything that you were worrying about before this, you ain't got to worry about it no more. Mm -hmm. If the work, if it comes back later, that's fine. But from here, everything, we, it was covered in this worship session. So that's how I kind of look at it. I break them down. Like, you know, I go... Whatever's going on, I go and I leave it there. And then get up and then, you know, if something else happened, then you take that up next time you worship. But that's how I kind of see it. For our listeners, can you please define what is worship? Because when you talk about it, um, it seems more of a physical act. Can you expand on it and give us more information on what worship is to you? So worship, um, laying prostrate, kneeling, uh, bowing before God, blowing kisses to God. My preferred um, one, especially while I'm at church, is laying prostrate because, you know, my knees be bad, man. I can't be down <laughs> on my knees that long. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, you know, I, I lay prostrate that way. My entire body is, is you know, being sacrificed, so to speak. So it's, it's I'm just there, and I, I feel like everything is refreshed, you know what I'm saying? From my head to my feet, the thoughts, everything, everything is just refreshed. So it is a physical act. When you when you say worship, it's more than just, it's not just singing and dancing and praying or whatever. It's an act that, you know, it's, it's mentioned in the Bible separately for a reason, you know, not separately, mm -hmm. but it's mentioned by itself as a, as its own thing for a reason. And yeah, so that's what it is to me. It's, it's going down, it's, it's laying your body uh, before God, it's sacrificing your body, and sacrificing your fresh suit, your fresh clothes you got on. Because it's, you know, it's just kind of showing that it's deeper than, than what just surface is. Did you say that 
worship is a form of meditation that concentrates on God, or as Cat Williams puts it, gets you in tune with your star player. Both. Both. Because you can't do one, you can't get in tune with your star player if, if you're not <laughs> concentrating on God. You know what I mean? You might think you are, but it does do that. It it centers you. It, because, and that's one of those things, like, and I, I guess growing up learning about worship and learning how to worship is the fact that you're not necessarily praying. You don't have to go down there and be praying the whole time. Um, because so it does, it is, it, it's meditation. It starts with meditation and then getting in the zone and getting, finding that center with God, with, you know, the God in you or whatever, however you want to feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a meditation. And then that helps your mind stay clear and zone in on being your best self and making sure your star player is the star. And, you know, so it all, it, it's a process. After you worship, what do you expect? I expect to just not trip. I expect <laughs> to feel okay. You know what I'm saying? Because worship doesn't change the circumstances. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Worship doesn't change the what's going on or what what might have your heart hurting or what's heavy on your back, but it just changes how you feel about it. You know what I'm saying? So you can either go through the day and through the weeks, you know, hurting, sad, angry, and th- those are all natural things, but yeah. the worship is what, you know, you just, you, you worship it. You know you're doing, you're doing your part, so that's all you can do. You can't change what's happening, but you can do your part and worship and, you know, give God what he's, he's asking for, what he's craving for, and, you know, you know you did all you can. Would you be in agreement that worship's greatest value consecrates the mind? Definitely, definitely, definitely. I feel like it's, it's, it is the greatest value, um, there's a, me personally, I, there's just stuff that I stop letting get to me. You know what I'm saying? I stop, mm-hmm. stop getting mad about certain stuff. I stop, you know, tripping. Like I stop letting stuff get to me. And that's from me worshiping and me knowing that, you know, all of this stuff is surface. Everything that's happening is, it's, it's going to happen. There's nothing you can do to stop those kind of things from happening, but it's all about how you react and how you, you know, handle whatever happens. So one of the things that I notice about you, whether it's Wednesday night at Bible study or during Sunday service, you're here, you're present, you're accessible. Despite you've performed a couple of times at the Super Bowl with Beyonce, Bruno Mars, um, Jesse J, you and your family have been amongst the most iconic people in the music business, but Wednesday and Sunday, you're at church, at Bible study, you're accessible. So has your worship grounded you to where you become accessible? Yeah, like I was saying earlier, for me, um, I, this, I've literally been doing this since I was four years old. So whether that be youth choir rehearsal or coming to church during the week or coming to church on Saturdays. Um, so it, it just, it's not, it's not even a question for me. Um, me coming to, to church or coming to Bible study or Sunday school like that, that's just a given for me. So I don't see it as like, you know, I get it, but I don't necessarily see it as like a, a, a big, big deal like that. Um, but you know, it is important for me to stay connected and stay accessible so people can, you know, why not be able to talk to me or come up and speak or 
the the kids and I was the same. I was the seven year old that was running around singing in the youth choir. I was the the thirteen year old boy that's that's on the dance team, on the step team. That was me. So if I'm I can't disappear and 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 get on this other level where it's like, well, it's it's, it's bigger than them because it's not. You know, it's about them. It's about the house. It's about the church and the the community and uh, culture that the church has has cultivated over all these years. And so, you know, for me, I'm just a part. I'm a, I'm a part of this. I'm a part of the the growth in this house. I'm a part of the people. I'm a part of you know the legacy of the church. So, yeah, for me, it's not even it's not even a thing like that. Can you explain how throughout your childhood, obviously your family, um, your uncle Kirk Whalem, he's a saxophonist, your brother is a saxophonist. How did you move from a treble clef to a bass clef with a trombone? <laughs> and how did you know that that was your path to go down? So the one thing I knew, I knew I did not want to play the saxophone. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, if my brother, like you said, my brother played it, my uncle played it, my great uncle played it. I just felt like there was enough <laughs> K. Whalem <laughs> saxophone players. Um, but no, seriously, I just, I knew I wanted to, I started off playing bass guitar mm-hmm. um, at nine years old, and I was playing for the Angel Choir here. I played for like a year, and then when I got to the fifth grade, when it was time to pick band instruments, um, I tested pretty well on each one of them, so I basically could have picked whatever I wanted to pick, and I didn't know what to pick, and my band director was like, well, he knew I played the bass. So yeah. he was like, well, why don't you, why don't you try the trombone? It's a bass club, it's a bass club instrument, so you, you know, it wouldn't be a hard time switching, because I had already been kind of learning how mm-hmm. to read. So that's how the trombone came, and I had, I, it was one of the most random decisions I made, but a, a good one. <laughs> So would you say most of your best decisions that have led you to the path that you're on now came at random, or would you say you focus and narrowed down the path? Uh, I mean, of course, in hindsight, mm-hmm. you know, I, it could, I could say that I kind of narrowed it down, but I think it might have just felt random at times, but it also kind of, like I, like I started off by saying as far as the dreams having legs, it kind of just started to flow in in those areas. So, you know, I would do a show here, and now the next time, now I'm dancing and playing, right? And then the next time, now I'm singing and dancing and playing. Oh, now I'm the hype. So it, it kind of just, it grows like that. So in establishing your lane, was there a period in which you felt your worship came up void throughout this time? No, because like I said, it was always, it's all, there was never, there hasn't been a point to where it was like a culture shock, really, because mm-hmm. um, nothing really changed as far as my priorities and my beliefs and my me knowing myself, knowing who I was. So no, it, there wasn't, a, there hasn't been a point to where it wavered or whatever. I wouldn't say wavered, but you had the feeling of, I'll revert back to the Clark sisters, is my living in vain? Is my speaking in vain? Am I wasting my time? So did you kind of have one of those moments, but a hint of optimism for the future? Um, I, I, No, I haven't really had those moments either. Because uh, again, I, I kind of stay even keel about stuff I'm not, you know, I don't just sit here and think everything's going to be peaches and cream all the time, but mm-hmm. I always know that it's bigger than what we got right now. You know what I'm saying? It, whether we here or 
and gone tomorrow, the world is moving. You know what I'm saying? There's still a bigger purpose and picture for life, period. So I can't, I can't look be so look at it short sighted and be like, well, maybe it's not real. Maybe no, I can't. I don't really think like that. Well, thank you all for tuning in to our very first episode with Cameron Whalem. Cam, it's been great talking with you on worship, a consecrated mind, and what all it does for you. Thank you for having me on this very first episode. Looking forward to hearing more. Alrighty, signing out. See you all next time for episode two.